Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure, simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered, none accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. It's like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. That's right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Let's not waste any time and get right into it and pick back up where we left off last week. And as I do that, I will bring in the rest of the team that will be alongside for this adventure. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire. He is our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about yourself? Tremendous. And the third member of our team, he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Rod B., thanks for the time as always. No, thank you for the intro, brother. I appreciate it. Good to be here today. Uh, real quick, I uh, want to thank everybody that continues to subscribe, download, listen to Longhorn Blitz. You can get every episode of this podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Just subscribe by searching Horns 24-7 Podcast uh, to get us state of recruiting and flagship. Uh, don't forget to like us and leave us a five-star review, and thank you so much for your support. Guys, this is a good spot to just pick back up where we left off last week. We talked about the hires on the offensive side of the ball uh, since we last had a show. Jeff Choate is now officially in as the co-defensive coordinator and inside linebackers coach. So as we go to defense, Rod, I'll start with you this week. And this is where the listening audience, you can play your Longhorn Blitz drinking game when I make certain references. Feel free to to do so since I make them a lot. Rod, uh, you made this point long ago, and I love repeating it, but defensively you win with players. So I want to walk you through, Rod, kind of a – uh, a little bit of a maybe a mock depth chart that I've been working with defensively. Oh yeah, just nice. Kind of, I like just, that. Just to just to kind of get an idea of this isn't necessarily like what it's going to look like for spring ball, but basically what I think is the best option for Texas to go through the season with defensively. You want to you want to just run this down real quick, Rod? Yeah, let's do it. Well, Sounds fun. Okay, so defensive line for the two down linemen. I've got Keandre Coburn. And Alfred Collins. So just file the names away. We won't, won't go down like two, three deep. Just I'll give you the starters, and, and we'll play the exercise afterwards. So you're starting two down linemen, Keandre Coburn, 
Alfred Collins. At the edge spots, I've got Mauro Ojimo. And at the other outside linebacker spot, I've got Marcus Bimage ahead of Ray Thornton, the LSU transfer, and Ovia Gofu, the Notre Dame transfer. But basically, those guys are kind of in the mix together. And then Ojimo with Jacoby yeah. Jones is a really good two on the other side. Inside linebackers, yeah, no need to change anything. Jawan Mitchell, DeMarvin Overshone. And the secondary, you know, I think Rod just is simple, as simply as I could put it, I think Darian Dunn just basically takes Jalen Green's spot in that rotation. I still think it's going to be a top three with Deshaun Jameson, Josh Thompson, and Darian Dunn. Although, and I heard a lot of good things. Tom Herman went on the record, but off the record, I heard a lot of good things about what Jade Barron and Keaton Crawford did as true freshmen. So there's your corner depth safety, Jaron Thompson, B.J. Foster, with Chris Adamora at the nickel position. So, Rod, I say all that to ask you this. When you look at a starting 11, and granted I went beyond 11 in some of those, to some of those spots, it's beyond 11, Yeah. Uh, the number of guys I talked about. Is that a defense that Pete Kwiatkowski can look at on paper and say, I can go compete for a Big 12 championship with this starting 11? Uh, with Kwiatkowski's resume, yes, uh, because there's enough high-level talent. I mean, you just start – honestly, we all know Alfred Collins is a next-level player. Now, Kendra Coburn is, is really good. Kendra right. Coburn right. is one of the better defensive linemen, especially interior defensive linemen in the Big 12. There's no doubt about it. And I think he's respected by opposing coaches, just looking at the way they approach him when you watch the film. But Alfred yeah. Collins, if unleashed <laughs> correctly, gentlemen, he could be a true war daddy in the sense that he's almost unblockable um, in man-to-man blocking schemes. Like you would have mm-hmm. to, he would, he would, you would have to have a, a chip, someone to chip him. You'd have to double team him on every play. Like he is, he is worthy of that. He could be that kind of game wrecker. And depending on how Kwiatkowski uses him, because I don't know if Kwiatkowski, you know, he's, I don't know exactly how he wants to use Alfred Collins. I'd recommend, you know, moving him around, stunting him a lot too. And I'm sure Kwiatkowski does that. He does that a lot based on the film. But that's the guy I'm most excited about on the defense. And I think just because of his presence alone and Keandre Coburn, this defense got a chance to be really good. There's a reverberating effect in the Kwiatkowski scheme based on those two pieces, those two defensive linemen. Uh, the two uh, kind of overhang defensive ends, I don't know if they're going to be stand-up this year. I know that Sark said the defense is going to look to the naked eye like it did last year, so I'm not sure exactly how much the transition will look exactly how Kwiatkowski had it there at Washington with Jimmy Lake, but the reverberating effect of having two stable a legit, and you can even throw in possibly elite defensive line, just in, in terms of the conference, elite defensive tackles there. Um, from what I've said about Kwiatkowski, that's where it all starts. Those two guys being able to win the numbers advantage with those two players um, is going to allow you to kind of win the numbers advantage throughout the rest of the scheme, and that's how you love. So I, I, I love that. I love the – I don't know if I – I like the rotation on the outside. I'm not sure if Bimage and Ojimo are going to be the breakout stars at that defensive end spot. I think that's why they brought in two defensive ends as transfers right. because they understand, right. all right, you know what, we may need options there. So I think I believe that's why they did that, and I like that. Honestly, you could end up with a rotation there. Um, it all depends on exactly how how those guys transition. 
you could almost say that maybe I don't know if he wants big defensive ends because he's had big, like really big defensive ends before. And mm-hmm. then he's had some guys that almost seem like hybrids at that defensive end spot, too. So I'm not exactly sure what he wants. And but I do like the linebackers. Overshone had a breakout year, so I mean that's I think he's going to continue to get better. There's no reason for me to think he's not going to continue his trajectory. Uh, I'm worried a little bit about Juwan Mitchell. I think he may. I think one of those other young linebackers may get a shot, I, just because Juwan Mitchell. I, I think he's he was great. He lost weight last year, remember, so that he wouldn't be such a liability in coverage. But he still is. Um, he's just he's just right. really good against the run. Um, but I still I, I I don't know if he's a prototypical inside linebacker for Kwiatkowski. He likes guys who can can run. He wants guys that can be able to get from sideline to sideline there. And I'm not sure if that's Juwan Mitchell, but we'll see. I think he likes the fact he's a veteran presence. And I'm worried mm-hmm. about the corners, uh, but I love Dunn. I love Darian Dunn. The film I watch tells me he's a guy that can that can play man-to-man coverage. He's got a knack for it. And he can play actually press man coverage if you need him to. Um, but Josh Thompson and Deshaun Jameson, it's going to be interesting how he uses those guys. I think you can almost, depending on your matchups week to week, you can change those guys around. Maybe you got a bigger receiver and Josh Thompson, maybe he matches up better with the bigger receiver. Maybe you got a, a, a you know, a, a guy that you want to bump and run and you want to be able to slow him down that way and throw off the timing. You can put Darian Dunn out there and let him jam him up a little bit and, you know, depending on if a guy's a little bit quicker, maybe you want to put Deshaun Jameson. I almost think you can rotate those guys almost based on your matchups week to week because I think I'll end up trusting all three of them. And uh, Adam Moore, I'm not sure what to do with Adam Moore. I think Adam Moore almost is a – yeah, I mean, the nickel thing is interesting. I mean, he could be he could be the nickel. I, I almost wonder if he's going to be a better safety in this, in this defensive scheme than he's going to be a nickel and the way they're going to use him. So I don't – know exactly how he's going to use them because he's had nickels that are essentially corners before too they're guys that prioritize coverage and that's not really out of more he's just a versatile weapon but that's what Kwiatkowski loves he loves those you know those hybrids so he loves guys who have that multiplicity so I think he's going to find the right way to use out of more yeah man with Kwiatkowski that's that's definitely a uh, I think a reality a possibility I should say that he could turn this this group into the best version of themselves. My concern would be the corners because, um, you know, you are getting in a new uh, secondary coach. I know you got Blake getting there, but Terry Joseph, I know he coached safeties at Notre Dame. I'm sure he can coach corners too. Um, but that would be my concern. His transitioning from safeties coach to now secondaries coach and corners coach. Can he teach those corners how to cover in the big 12? If he can't, that's what Jimmy Lake was famous for. Jimmy Lake was a great secondaries coach, great DB coach for Washington, well-respected yeah. in the league. And that's a pivotal part of Kwiatkowski's scheme, that those guys can match up on the outside. If they can't, and then they can't scheme it up and they can't coach them up, that, to me, is a problem if I could foresee one within the defense. That would be it. And it'll be interesting to see how uh, he makes the pieces sort of fit because you sort of talked about it right there. It's like at, on the up front, you know what you have with guys like Coburn and Collins, but a guy like John Mitchell, he's a he has a skill and has a niched specific role that you can find. And those are the type of pieces that coaches that are good coaches 
fit together with the rest of the defense and understand what they're strong at and put them in those type of aspects. We saw him even do that with defensive backs. When you look at Kwiatkowski and how he made a guy like Buda Baker fit in with his scheme, or if you go and look across the board, he did it with different linebackers. But when you look at that D-line, I think it really just starts up front and you can really make everything easier on the outside. And especially if, say, you have a weakness or just some questions with the defensive backs. But when you have guys like Coburn and Collins now, you'd already seen the big body type D tackles that he had as Vita Veyes or Danny Shelton sort of fit in alongside that guy like Keandre Coburn. And when you have a guy like Alfred Collins that really just is freakish skills like when people watch the Super Bowl this week watch Chris Jones a guy that's a 6'6 320 pound 310 pound athletic as hell D tackle like there aren't many comps to guys like Chris Jones or that Alfred Collins can be compared to but I really think he sort of fits that same type of skill set and when you have a guy like that it really can make things so much easier because if you can rely on something up front it makes those other pieces fit so much easier or if you just have say a niched role player like a guy like a Juwan Mitchell you understand which downs and which downs and distance and standard downs to have him in but on passing downs you can go and use guys like Adam Mora that have more niche skill sets that could maybe if you could find a guy that's a playmaker on the back end understanding that you are so good up front it can really make the up my decisions on the back end sort of fit the down and distance scenarios or like you said the matchups that you're facing I, I wanted to, to tackle something, but what both of you guys said has me going in a different direction. So let, let I'll, let's take that ride real quick. Kind of, I'll, I'll, both of you mentioned guys that are, I don't want to necessarily call them tweeners, but we're interested to see how they fit in this scheme. And Rod, let's start at inside linebacker with Jawan Mitchell. And when you look at the depth chart, if you just kind of look at what it was last year and what you can project it to be going into spring ball and therefore the season, like Jalen Ford profiles more as kind of like the middle linebacker, the Mike linebacker Pete Kwiatkowski's had in his defenses. Like 6'2", yeah, you know, 225, 230-ish, and 230 is probably on the heavy side. But a dude that just, what is the best thing he does, man? He just runs sideline to sideline. He mm-hmm. can just get out yep. and run. And with Juwan Mitchell, you talk about the weight loss, but yet there were times last year where he was still kind of a liability in pass coverage. Is it just one of those deals where if you're facing a team like, you know, Iowa State, for instance, that's going to play with heavier personnel, or, you know, last year we saw Baylor play with heavier personnel, uh, if it, is it just going to be a case with Juwan Mitchell where, hey, if you're playing a team with heavier personnel, then you probably like having him on the field all three downs. If you're playing a team that's more you know, 10, 10 personnel base, 11 personnel base, then you just kind of hope you can hide his his weaknesses. Otherwise, it could just be a long day, and that's just that's just who Jawan Mitchell is at this point. Yeah, no, I, you know, I think it could end up, because Kwiatkowski's a problem solver, right? That's why that's why everybody's excited about him. That's why we love him. And I always say to coaches, you know, at their core, you got to be just a problem solver. You got to know how to solve problems, whether they be on the field or whether they be with your administration, with your coaching staff, personnel, whatever it is. And you got to think outside the box a lot of time to do it. Kwiatkowski, 
has got a long history with that. He, obviously, the two four five defense is probably the best version of that. Not really a two four five. Almost works as a four two five, but you get my point. Stand up defensive ends and the two D tackles. It basically solving the problem that we don't have access to a lot of great D tackles. I mean, great D linemen. Period. Like a ton of them. We'll have two maybe three, but, man, we can't match up with the Blue Bloods across the country. We can't recruit those types of players. Um, but we do get a lot of athletes that we can add strength and weight. You know I mean? We can't add speed and size. We can add strength and weight. So let's focus on what we can do and what we can't do. And they came up basically with the, the two four five or the four two five, right? Um, and it was really creative and it fit perfectly with the ecosystem of the Pac-12, which you had a lot of spread schemes they were going up against, souped up mm-hmm. spread offenses. Now think about the Big 12 and the ecosystem. That is, you talk about it all the time, Jeff, right? You got the multiple hybrid spreads. It's not so much an yeah. air raid league anymore. It started off as the air raid, but then you got all these offshoots of the air raid and now all of these different offensive minds. You got Jeff Grimes coming from BYU, um, so that'll be yep. a different hybrid spread. You have uh, Iowa State with their version of it would help multiple tight ends that they'll throw at you. Of course, you got Lincoln Riley, but Lincoln Riley runs as much as he passes, and that's, that's air raid, and he'll come at you with uh, you know multiple tight ends or multiple backs in the backfield. Very versatile offense, and you know you start thinking about all. And then of course you have your air raids, right? Doug Meacham and Sonny Cumbie are still in the Big Twelve as well, uh, but it is more of a multiple hybrid spread league. And you're right, you still have a K State that'll come in there and throw fullbacks in the damn backfield at you <laughs> to try to test your your grit, right? If you got the uh, if you got the dogs up front that can match up with their power game, and you got these power spreads now too. So I think it almost works as an advantage for Texas to have have all of these different types of players with these different skill sets because if you can use these chess pieces right right if you can utilize them correctly week to week you can match up with all of these multiple hybrid spreads which are really difficult because they're all so very different right mike gundy's he's air raid ish but you know he's got his own version of the spread offenses and oklahoma does and texas tech does and everybody else right so to match up with all these souped up spreads with these great quarterbacks and great offensive play callers too um, you need multiple chess pieces, right? You need multiplicity mm-hmm. on your defensive side, too. So maybe you do need a guy that week like Juwan Mitchell who can play inside the box, right, in a telephone booth and be really, really good against the run because a K-State doesn't present as much problems on the perimeter. Um, you know what I mean? And maybe you need that week to have, all right, you know what, we're going to have actually, like he does when he played, I say Kwiatkowski did, when he played up against the air raid for Mike Leach. Um, Go watch those defenses and how many different pieces he uses on the back end with those dime packages they throw out there, right? To make uh, to kind of match up with the with the with of course the most uh, pure form of the air raid in Mike Leach. But you know, I mean, I think Kwiatkowski's a guy to look at Adam Moore and go, oh, this week we need Adam Moore out there. This week he'll be perfect because he can match up with our state's uh-huh. tight ends, but also be a guy that can help us out in the box. He's got a little bit of size and some uh, a little bit of girth to his frame. So it's almost looking at your personnel and being able to specifically use those guys when you need them and when they'll help you most and, and maximize, amplify their skill set that way. So I, I think it could work almost perfectly with the way Kwiatkowski thinks. Right. So with that in mind, Rod, like when I think about the secondary, 
Uh, and, you know, really, I, lo- I love that you say, you know, coaches are problem solvers. To me, it, it's kind of like it, it's kind of like that old that old Rowdy Roddy Piper line. Like just when it, this is kind of how you've got to think as a as a defensive coordinator in the Big 12. You know, ju- just when you think you've got all the answers, I change the question. That questions. That's how that's how play callers in the Big 12 work. Like you yes. think you've got to figure out an entirely different set of circumstances you're dealing with. Basically, basically what you're saying is just you face for for every week. Like. To your to to the example you just made, like the K State game, K State, in theory, that should have been a game where Jawan Mitchell would have been really good, but they found a way to expose Jawan Mitchell, saying this guy can't hang with Deuce Vaughn in space. We'll just we'll just run Deuce Vaughn, uh, run him over the middle of the field and get Jawan Mitchell on the move and, and get him loose that way and pull him out of the box and and make him not be as effective exactly. as he otherwise would be. So uh, that's it from that standpoint. But Rod, going to the secondary, we we talked about this last week. And Matt, feel free to chime in as well. And just for the listening audience, again, we're at a point where we can't see each other, so it makes it a little bit challenging to bounce things back and forth off of each other. But when I look at the secondary, you know, th- there's the Adam Mora, there's the Adam Mora discussion, which you just had, Rod. And then what do you do with B.J. Foster? Is, is safety his best position? Is he a guy that? In kind of this positionless era of football, you'd be better off moving around. The guy that I look at, we talked about him already this offseason. The guy for me is Deshaun Jameson. Like, as, as explosive as he is in the return game, I want to figure out how to get that guy around the ball as much as possible, which one week it might be putting him a corner. One week it might be putting him in the nickel. One week it might be letting him play safety. Like I, So I say all that to say this. I would really like to see – Pete Kwiatkowski and Terry Joseph do a much better job of cross-training guys on that back end than just saying, you guys are corners, you guys are safeties, you guys are nickels, and then just trying to figure it out as you go. Totally agree. I totally agree. I mean, like I said, Coach Aquino was all about, you know, 5-2 DBs, right? All you guys are defensive yeah. back uh, more so than you are a cornerback or a safety and it did lead to a lot of versatility on the back end. Uh, and I think it was something that was a valuable part of their, their skill set. So I'm with you. I think it also helps you solve some of those problems that you talk about, right? Those, uh, those circumstances that change when the, uh, when the great offensive play callers in the Big 12 um, decide that they are going to attack, attack you a certain way and exploit a certain weakness. Um, you, can, uh, you can always shift. The, uh, the situation you can shift the circumstances by putting a different player there um, that yeah. isn't isn't exploitable with a different skill set and make them solve make the offense solve another problem that they they aren't anticipating so I'm with you I don't know you know if it's Deshaun Jamison at nickel I know you've presented that as a possibility um, I, I'm with you I think all three of those guys you're done and uh, Deshaun Jamison depending on the week you're you know, who you're playing that week and the matchup you have that week. I would move those guys around a little bit. Um, and Adam Moore, too, I'd probably move him around a little bit depending on who we're playing that week. Maybe he'll be at nickel, maybe uh, maybe like you said, maybe that week at nickel, maybe it's a guy like Deshaun Jameson at nickel because it's they they don't use their wide really in the run game and it's a, it's more of a it's more of a air, pure air raid. Maybe it's the Doug Meacham or the Sonny Cumbie offense you're playing that week. I, I mean, it depends, obviously the offense and their identity and who you're playing. But, man, I'm with you. Give yourself options, man. Give yourself more yeah. 
chances to be successful. And that's uh, exactly why we always talk about the mul- multiplicity, not only on defense, but also on offense because of the question marks that it can pose in the opposition's mind. And, you know, Jeff, you used a great example of a putting personnel on a player that you can just sort of run them out of the play. It's the same thing that you see nowadays in the NBA. You might think, oh, man, these two centers are really going to be banging it down low. But now what? Do you, what's the common trend? You go in that can shoot so then you can pull the opposing best defender out of his strength in the lane in the paint and pull him outside to the three-point line where it not only takes him away from the defense's strength but then it opens everything up for everybody else to exploit and if you have these players that have that multiple position eligibility it makes that just become another down for them it's nothing different yet the opposition is sitting and looking at it and like man this is foreign what the hell are we going to do? We're out of position. And at that point, they're so exploitable that the more of those options that you have that you can throw at the opposition without actually substituting or changing the personnel, it can't go overstated at people that is. Rod, that goes back to your point earlier about the outside linebacker spots. Like we've seen Pete Kwiatkowski's defenses where he's had different kinds of guys. And we talked about this before when Texas has lost a talent. Like, how do you replace a, how do you replace a, a Deontay Foreman, um, a Connor Williams, mm-hmm. a, just going a Devin Duvernay? Yep. You don't replace the guy. I mean, if anybody saw the movie at least, or, or hopefully read the book, uh, you know, take the Moneyball approach. Like, I can't, Platoon. I can't replace Joseph Osai, but you can, you can, in the aggregate, maybe recreate him. And to me, that's Pete Kwiatkowski looking at the personnel. Granted, they wouldn't have had Osai anyway, but that's them looking at the personnel saying, you know what, let's just try to get guys that we know that could play that position that are good ball players. And then what you're saying, Rod, maybe on a given week, uh, Marcus Bimmage plays more. Or, or maybe this week it's it's more of a of a Ray Thornton, Ovia Gofu kind of game. Just give yourself as many options at that position uh, as you can. Yeah, because it all depends on the scheme you're going up against, right, and, and how they're going to try to exploit the weakness of those players. But that also gets right. to, which I'm glad they have a traditional screen this year, you got to know your personnel, right? Yeah. Your personnel to be able to to have these very advantageous situations where you can put in uh, a Gofu or put in a Thornton in a, cer- in a, in a certain a part of the game, situational football, and you go, no, 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 in need our pass rushing guys in there trust me on this they're going to be a better matchup those tackles they can't handle uh they can't handle a pass rush in the red zone they've proven that they're exploitable there whatever it is that you find right whatever trend you notice um and you can use the different uh the different skill sets of your guys to match up so i do i think they're just giving themselves options and who knows one of those guys becomes a breakout player then none of this matters it's great one of those guys becomes a breakout player best players in the conference and then boom you got your defensive ends but since you don't know what you don't give yourself so that you're not sol because you put all your eggs in one basket yeah like you would think you would look at this roster right and like the 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 average texas fan like our listeners are, are pretty smart football intuitive people you would look at that roster and on the surface say oh well marcus bimage is going to have the edge over ophi gofu and ray thornton not really, because keep in mind, Bimmage didn't practice all fall. Like, he was, he opted out because of COVID, so he wasn't around the team. He didn't play in games, mm-hmm. nothing. So, you know, Bimmage is starting maybe with this staff at least on a level with those guys. Like, they don't have 
film from 2020 that they can look at and get an idea of what yeah. Bimich can do like they can with Jacoby Jones or, or Moro Ojimo. Or hell, even even Prince Dorba, at least they've got practice clips they can go through, cut up from practice they can look at from Prince Dorba to get an yeah, idea of true. what he's got. They can't do that with Bimich. One, that's what's so big about this new personnel and this new season and then the advantage of additionally having an actual spring for the new staff. But if you think about it, yeah, there's tape on a lot of these guys, but it's probably bad tape. Like this tape, these guys, they don't fit in anything that you're going to be doing this year. So we may have coaches only out of due diligence going and looking back at the tape of the Texas players and being like, okay, I may have a tendency. I may have something here. And then it comes around and it's nothing the way they're being used this year. So it's a built-in advantage of the unknown. And that's why the first-year coordinators have had so much success in addition to the multitude of reasons that we've talked about over the years here at Texas. It's something that you can really be successful with, but it also, understandably, when they, you start to give them that information they're going to catch on quick so hopefully you come out of the gates hot rod we this might be getting way too inside baseball we've never gone down this road but i'm i'm feeling froggy so i'm going to jump on this topic if you're if you're a new staff coming in uh, to matt's point where maybe the scheme doesn't really the previous scheme doesn't really line up philosophically or 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 anything like that with what you want to do does do practice cut-ups and and you know, drill cutups is that almost more valuable film? Where like if I'm if I'm Pete Witkowski coaching outside linebackers, like I might want to look more at practice cutups and say, let me watch this guy, let me watch this guy do pass rush drills, let me watch this guy in his pass drops. Or if you're Terry Joseph, like no, I want to watch these guys go through you know weeks upon weeks of of one on ones and just see what he does from a coverage standpoint rather than trying to break down game film cuz like Matt said right it, it almost gets to a point to where and and obviously look it's football like you can obviously relate okay they they're doing they've I can see they've got this call on but and, and so it's kind of like what we do with this but maybe it's a little bit different so some of it does yeah. translate to an extent but when you're just evaluating personnel it's almost like when a coach talks about you're facing a team that maybe you faced the year before, but there's a coordinator change where you say, look, we're just looking at last year's film strictly for to evaluate personnel because none of the scheme stuff is going to translate. Is there a little bit of that maybe that we don't talk about as much when a new staff comes in? Yeah, I mean, I think you got to do both. If you're, man, if you're a coach doing real due diligence, you got to do both. I, I, would, I think right. you're right about the practice, though, the practice reps. I don't know how much coaches watch of the practices from the previous regime i would i'd go all over that because yeah. not only it gives you an insight into the skill set of a player but football's a sport where you practice more than you play mm-hmm. right i mean it's just that simple you practice more than you play so you have to be really good at practice and crisp at it it'll give you a great insight into a guy's football character no question about it, right? How he practices. Joe Smosai, yeah. we kept hearing he was a monster at practice. They literally never turned it off. It never, he never, he was the same way he was in the game that he was in practice. You have to take him out of practice. That's the only way you can slow him down at practice. He's one of those guys. And that does translate to the game. So I'm with you. I, I would like to know what translates. Right? I want to yeah. see if a guy was great in his drops at practice and it sucked in the games. And what happened? Right. Then I got to I got to find out what was the disconnect. Was it just a bad scheme? Did uh, did they did they find a a weakness that they just like you talked about with Juwan Mitchell, right? Juwan Mitchell should have been perfect for the K-State game. Why wasn't he perfect? Great job by K-State. What they do. They put three damn back. They basically put three backs in the backfield and started using misdirection. 
and basically started running the triple option against Juwan yeah. Mitchell. And he could, he could, he was always a step too late, right? He was processing way too much information. They were running the diamond formation. And once you start making him process information and he's already slow for Big 12 football, he's already behind, especially mm-hmm. against a guy yeah. like Deuce Vaughn. So that's all they did against him. And they were able to essentially exploit something that wasn't a weakness for a few weeks, but they they brought out something that was innate in Jawan Mitchell. He can't, it's in his football DNA. He's not that fast. All right. You got to get him in open space and get him behind and make him process a lot of information. But if he's going to his first or second, uh, you know, his first read, if he's reading uh, the tackle or reading the guard and, you know, they, uh, they, they, they slam down and that's all he's got to do. He's great at that. But that wasn't the first read with K-State did, right? That's like third, fourth recognition. <laughs> yeah. They're running three different things. He doesn't know where the ball is. And that was really effective. So I think in the same vein, you got to find out, all right, is this is a physical player? I think that translates from any game film. Is he just a physical player? Does he shower from contact? Remember what they were saying about DeMarvion Overshone early on? That DeMarvion Overshone was playing in the box like a, like a safety or a DB, avoiding contact? Like, no, no, you got to run through that lineman. Yeah, that's your run yeah. fit. If you run around yeah. that lineman, you just messed up the whole entire defensive structure. <laughs> you just made a, you just created a void in our defense. No, I need you to anger run. I need catch. you to run and attack that that shoulder because that's your run fit. And when you do that, boom, that's going to open it up for the for the for the safety right behind you. And then boom, he's coming off your butt and he's going to make the play. That's how football works. But I don't understand that early on. So I think that's a, man. I think you got to watch both. I'd watch both. I'd I'd take yeah. notes on every damn player from practice. And I take notes on them in the game, see what translated, what didn't, find out the disconnect, talk to them about it. That's how I get to know my players. What happened? Yeah. Was it the coach? Was he not emphasizing the game? What you not watching film? Did you what, did you not understand what you were seeing? What is it? Because that's how I'm going to be able to solve the problems and not relive the same experience of the pre- the previous regime. And you know, I think for Kwiatkowski, I don't know if he'll go that deep, but that's a, that's what a position coach should be going. I mean, that's their job is to go that deep and to get to know every player, every instinct, every weakness, every strength. So you can build, you can break them down and build them up in your own image. That is the whole point. Mm-hmm. And they're not doing that, and they're not watching. Remember Tom Herman not watching the film for the previous regime? It's like what the hell? We should have known right there. <sighs> yeah, we should have known. Yeah. No, seriously, like you should know. You're like what? Who doesn't what? That's your job. You're not watching the film. You don't care about like the players and what they, you know, what their weaknesses and strengths were and how they practiced and how they played and what kind of football character they have. Did they when they were losing, did they quit? Did they did they did they loaf on plays? You don't care about that kind of stuff? Wow. We should have known that. Yeah, because when you're talking about that, just not taking that knowledge when it's available to you, it sort of just tells you that felt as if he understood and thought that his way was the way that was going to work. And if you go into anything like that, and in theory, that's closed-minded. That's not some way that you're going to be very successful. Rod, I'm going to lean on you. I feel like we're turning this into the Rodcast because I'm leaning on on Rod a lot this week. But this is a good week to to make make it a Rod-centric show. Rod, I know you've been a big fan for a long time without Washington defense, and you've studied it quite a bit. Uh, why, maybe not why did it work, but what made the relationship between Pete Kwiatkowski and Jimmy Lake from a kind of the way just that, I don't know, synergy they had together, tying the front end of the back end, like what made it work so well? 
Yeah, that's good. Um, from what I observed about it and what I liked about it, you know, they he they were all trying to win the numbers advantage in the passing game, right? That's mm-hmm. uh, that's like a new era of thinking, a new wave of thinking in football, right? Everybody used to try to win the numbers advantage in the running game. It was all built about winning the numbers advantage in the running game. Brandon yeah. Staley, who's the Rams, uh, who was the Rams DC and is now the head coach for the Chargers. Make sure I keep my head coaching carousel right, right? Isn't he <laughs> the Chargers? I believe so, yes. 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 Okay. Yeah. No. My, sorry, man. The, the head coach, the, the carousel did that. Bell is always kind of crazy. Yeah. So he's head coach for the Chargers, and his big, you know, um, his revelation, if you will, as a defensive mind was, you know, he's gonna. He's going to err on winning the numbers advantage in the passing game and try to win uh, the win the running game basically and with with scheme and leverage and almost uh, with versatility up front, right? And he, mm-hmm. it's easy to say when you have an Aaron Donald. I think his his <laughs> right, uh, quote right. was just from a schematic standpoint. My big belief system is one on ones in the running game. Two on ones in the passing game. That's the Staley thing. That's like that's his quote. He said it all starts from there. Now that you can okay. say that's easy to say when you have an Aaron Donald up front who's demanding a double team, right? You can you can create that. Um, but with Quinkowski, that's why his two D tackles up front. That's it's so good for them to end up being, um, you know, those guys who demand double teams. That's how mm-hmm. he ends up winning the numbers advantage in the back end. And to me, there's one thing that I watch that I liked when I watched the Husky defense match up against spread schemes and they had a couple of air raids too. They had the bear raid against Cal and of course that Mike Leach air raid at Washington State. Mm-hmm. Um their ability to kind of win the numbers advantage on the back end and confuse quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the meantime. And that's what they do really, really well is in addition to the winning the numbers advantage, they they do a really good job of scheming deception both up front, pre-snap, and on the back end, post-snap. And it all um, it's all synchronized, if you will. It's a beautiful thing to watch, but as a quarterback, it's hellish to watch. It's a nightmare because yeah. what you see pre-snap is probably not going to match what you see post-snap, and you got to be ready for that that uh, quick time, real-time reaction. And you almost have to anticipate it with Kwiatkowski. Yeah. Playing mind games with yourself because of the deception. So those are the things that I think Jimmy Lake and Kwiatkowski did really well. They were aligned in that philosophically. And I think almost um, just r- really when you even look at personnel wise, they had the same beliefs about multiplicity. J- Jimmy Lake loved hybrid players in the back end, guys he can move around. Kwiatkowski's loves moving around guys on that front as well. On his defensive line, he's been known for that with different fronts. So I, and I think I, I don't know Terry Joseph that well. I don't know him as a. I don't know a lot. I haven't started watching Notre Dame coverages to see what kind of coverages they played. Um, but to me, Jimmy Lake is special and rare, and he's an he considered elite in that respect. And I wonder yeah. if there'll be some drop off. Not saying Terry Joseph isn't good at what he does, but Jimmy Lake is considered like one of the best. Yeah, and that's why I wonder right. if there'll be a drop off in the right. back end in terms of the coordination of the coverages. And if you go and uh, break down the numbers just from his time at Washington, it's pretty crazy. While talking about that, because the two for one mismatch that you're talking about, right on the back end, it makes so much sense on the risk reward aspect of it. 
it because if you're getting the one-on-ones up front and having the advantage on the back end, it's going to limit your explosives, the big plays that become touchdowns because the last line of defense is the DBs. And if you have that number advantage on the front end and then the one-on-ones on the back, the opposite, well, that could mean that you're going to get burnt down in the passing game and it's just simplistic but it's brilliant when you think about it that way and when you talk about defending the air raid or the bear raid I went back and pulled all the different percentile performances you know Bill Conley we reference him a lot and we had talked about remember at the end of the Orlando era how much the air raid just obliterated Orlando defenses because when it was a 2018 year for example percentile performances for Texas defense against the air raid was a sixth percentile performance, as bad as it gets against Okie State. And then against Oklahoma, you had a 13th percentile performance. Then you had other ones against Tech and against West Virginia, another game against Oklahoma that were at 10, 11, and 18. By far your worst, because the rest of Texas's defensive percentile performances were all above 66, between 92 and 66. So you're talking about in the top third of performance, which is great. Well, how about Jimmy Lake and then the Kwiatkowski defense? defense against the Cal Bear Raid or the Air Raid. Well, in 2015, it was a 96 percentile performance against Washington State, 85 percentile performance. The next year, in 2016, a 92nd percentile performance and 94th percentile performance. What about the next year in 2017? You're talking a 99 percentile performance against Cal, a 67 percentile performance against Washington State. In 2018, it was an 86 seven percentile performance in a 93 percentile performance it shows that every time they faced the air raid in those years from 15 to 18 you finished in the top third and seven of the eight times you're above 87 or above 85 which is exactly what you're asking for when we talk about fit and we talk about needing to understand the culture of the conference and going to get a pac-12 guy on the front end we could speculate and be like ah that looks like it fits i bet it fits you would think it fits and then when you go pull the numbers it fits so well it's amazing how close it fits so it's everything we were sort of yelling and hoping for back in 2018 when we saw the demise of the Orlando scheme against the air raid and now Texas has somebody that at least it isn't foreign to him it isn't something he's seen and actually has had success against you know, Rod, I'm about to say something that's probably going to send shivers down the spine of Texas fans, but Matt, you brought him up. Rod, do you know who has the same kind of philosophy when it comes to the numbers game that you talked about with, with Brandon Staley and with Pete Witkowski slash Jimmy Lake? That That's Todd Orlando's philosophy, essentially. Like, I, I, I sat in a clinic and listened to Todd Orlando talk about that very thing <laughs> and trying to get two two for one matchups in the pass game and one on ones in the run game. Like, he did, I watched him do an entire clinic lecture on this in San Angelo wow. a few years ago. But to your point, Rod, Todd Orlando was able to do that when you've got Ed Oliver playing over the ball and you've got Puna Ford, who, by the way, potentially could get paid this offseason. He's a restricted free agent, but potentially could get paid uh, handsomely on the free agent market. Todd Orlando stuff looked a lot better when he had two legitimate NFL defensive tackles as the tip of the spear. Now, that's not no. I'm not knocking Chris Nelson or young Keandre Coburn, but it, it's just a little bit different. And then it's kind of what you see on offense sometimes, Rod. Todd Orlando at some point, you, as it really felt like 
after that third and 17 against LSU, you're really just grab-bagging, just trying to find something that's going to work, something to latch on to, and he never really did. But that's – yeah, that's uh, that's kind of where a lot of defensive coordinators in the game today, they're they're yeah. willing to that, – that, that's why, like, people talk about, oh, it's a wide-open spread, you're throwing a lot. No, that's why a good spread offense like Lincoln Riley, that's why you want to run the ball. Okay, you want to give me one-on-ones in the run game? Great, I'll scheme it up to where I'll make that to my advantage. So it's – it's fascinating exactly. when you start looking at the chess match of how defensive coordinators want to attack an offense, and then the great minds like a Lincoln Riley can say, okay, you want to do that? Great. That plays right into what I want to do offensively. Yeah, and that's why I can't wait to watch Brandon Staley at the Chargers. Because, right, yeah, when you got an Aaron Donald and a Jalen Ramsey, yeah, okay, yeah, that's great. You can talk about scheming, <laughs> scheming two-on-ones right, in the back and right. one-on-ones up front. It's like, yeah, because Aaron Donald needs to be triple-teamed. And, J- and and Jalen Ramsey can shut down, not shut down, but he can cover any wide receiver in the NFL and do it probably as good a job as any cornerback in the mm-hmm. NFL. So, yeah, it's like I, can, I just have to – I can draft personnel and I can scheme around those two strengths. You got me a shutdown corner and you got a war daddy up front. But, yeah, that I think that's pretty easy. But I think what Staley is probably really good at is knowing your personnel. Because back to our initial conversation, right, we come full circle. You can't – you can't have – and it's Todd Orlando too, right? Because I, I agree with you. I think Todd Orlando – I've said it before. We've talked about it, Jeff. And Matt, you know, Tom Lando's scheme, philosophically, and Kwiatkowski's uh, philosophy, just their philosophy, they're they're pretty similar. They're mm-hmm. they're not yeah. they're not far away from each other. They're in the same zip code. You know what I mean? Like they're saying they're in the same zip code there. But I think one guy, Kwiatkowski, is a know your personnel guy better than Todd Orlando is. And I think Todd Orlando yep. is good at it, but maybe I think Kwiatkowski is great at it. And think about it for for. What made Todd Orlando's 2017 defense very successful? Uh, the uncertainty, as uh, at least the, I would say, having the advantage of the, uh, the the rest of the Big 12 not knowing what your scheme is, right? So you got mm-hmm. that factor. I think that always helps the first-year DCs at Texas. But also you had two inside linebackers that basically were the two fastest guys on the defense. Right? Right. You, you, you're, you're Gary Johnson <laughs> and Malik. Malik Jefferson. I mean, that was that was crazy. Like yep. you never seen anything really like that in the Big Twelve, and it was so unique that it allowed him to win numbers advantages and scheme numbers advantages up front and in the back end because those guys could run with rod receivers, but you want to bring those guys on blitzes and they can blitz like they can come like a banshee. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because screaming like a banshee because they're so quick and so fast. And they can and win one on Big Twelve. They were perfect linebackers. And I think for Kwiatkowski to scheme the the one-on-ones up front, which he did with those two big D tackles, I think he'll be able to do that and then be able to win the numbers advantage on the back end and scheme the two-on-ones. You do need unicorns. You need a unicorn. Yeah. You, you got it. You got, and, and you as a D.C. to find out who your unicorns are. We didn't know Gary Johnson and Malik Jefferson going to be that much of unicorns, but they were. They were the fastest two guys on the field, and then you add the six DB package on that. On top of that, dude, you were running around with eight DBs on the field. <laughs> it's yep. like, well, nobody can really keep up with that. How are you going to scheme around that in the Big Twelve? That's really tough. Um, and it took them a while to. And you had, and, and you had Rod. You had an you had an All American safety. Deshaun Elliott had an All American year, and Hol- yeah. Holton Hill was having an All American year until he got suspended. Shut down corner. Right? So, starting in the uh, NFL. Find out who your unicorns are. Develop that talent. Develop those unicorns in the freaks, Alfred Collins. 
And I think DeMarvion Overshone can, is a really good linebacker. He could end up being an all-conference yeah. type player, too, if he continues on this trajectory. And, you know, find out who those guys are, cultivate it, and then you can start building and scheming up your one-on-ones here and your two-on-ones here based on your week-to-week matchup. But if you don't know that, I think that's where Tarlando right. got toward, toward the end. He didn't, he didn't know his personnel well enough. So, like you said, he's grasping at straws. It's third and 17. He's like, you know what? Zero blitz, man. Let's, Let's go. go. <laughs> I got nothing else. I don't know what the hell to do. That's you not knowing your personnel well enough to be able to adapt your scheme. And that's the key. You can't just have a scheme. Oh, I'm going to run this every time. No, no. The defense that Brandon Staley runs with the Chargers because he's got a Bosa and he's also got Derwin James. It'll be very different, but probably effective because he's got unicorns and he'll know his personnel. Yep. Well, that's uh, that's as good a place as any to end it. Good football conversation this week as we took a deep dive into the Texas defense, and we'll keep doing this uh, as we uh, move forward throughout the offseason, get a little bit closer to what we hope, fingers crossed, is a full-bore spring football that we did not get last year. Uh, Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049 AM twelve sixty streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B on the triple option each and every weekday from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get our archives. Our classic interviews and shows are all available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Subscribe to Longhorn Blitz by searching Horns 24-7 Podcasts anywhere you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, just search Horns 24-7 Podcasts. Hit the subscribe button. Don't forget to like us and leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. Good deal. Thanks, Rod. Thanks, guys. Good job, fellas. All right, Great man, show, that. fellas. I'll disconnect Great you, show. Jeff. Okay, thank All you, right, man. Have a good show, Jeff. Longhorn News 24-7, visit Horns. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn News 24-7, visit Horns247.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.